I want to let you know, just in case you haven't been here the last few weeks, uh, we've been talking about what it means to be passionately engaged in our faith. And in the English language, it's fun. A fun thing is that we have these things called prefixes and suffixes, right? Anybody, anybody familiar? Uh, if you've passed, what, what level of English do we teach that in? Like, I don't know. If you pass first grade, you know that. How about that? Um, so anyways... Let me just focus on this. Uh, So prefixes of passion can tell us something about maybe what it is we are called to be passionate about. So a few weeks ago, we started with being impassioned. We talked about when we're impassioned by our faith, when we're set on fire uh, by God's Holy Spirit, that it's something that transforms our lives, the lives of those around us, and enables us to share God's love wherever we go. Last week, we talked about being compassionate, meaning that we find ourselves with people, that we're passionate for others and for their lives. And so when we're compassionate, it means that that we don't just say that we love somebody, but that we show somebody we love somebody. We stand with others. And so this week, we're going to talk about what I think is maybe the most oxymoronic of any of these prefixes of passion, but I think maybe what is one of the most important of the prefixes, and that's dispassion, dispassion. This morning we're going to talk about what maybe in our life of faith doesn't matter quite as much and what it looks like to maybe give that to God, to use in God's own way. And so if you brought a Bible with you this morning, I invite you to pull it out. Uh, If you didn't bring a Bible, that's no worry. There's some right over here uh, by this door. Uh, Feel free to grab a Bible if you'd like to follow along. But we're going to be reading from the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, uh, the 17th through the 32nd verses. And so if you have a Bible with you, I'd love for you to follow along. Uh, It'll also be on the wall behind me if you'd like to follow along that way. But know most of all uh, that we're just going to share in God's word together and sharing God's love together. As we do that, would you pray with me? God, we're here. This morning you've called us into this space and you've invited us into the community together and so we give you so much thanks for that. And we pray that in these moments ahead, God, as we reflect on your word and our lives, that God, you might be speaking to us. God, may we be listening for you. And God, would you make us more and more like you with every breath we take. We all prayed this together saying, Amen. So Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and he says these words. So I'm telling you this, and I insist on it in the Lord. You shouldn't live your life like the Gentiles anymore. They base their lives on pointless thinking, and they are in the dark in their reasoning. They are disconnected from God's life because of their ignorance and their closed hearts. They are people who lack all sense of right and wrong and who have turned themselves over to doing whatever feels good and to practicing every sort of corruption along with greed." But you didn't learn that sort of thing from Christ. Since you really listened to Him, and you were taught how the truth is in Jesus, change the former way of life that was a part of the person you once were, corrupted by deceitful desires. Instead, renew the thinking in your mind by the Spirit and clothe yourself with the new person created according to God's image and justice and true holiness. Therefore, after you have gotten rid of lying, 
Each of you must tell the truth to your neighbor because we are parts of each other in the same body. Be angry without sinning. Don't let the sun set on your anger. Don't provide an opportunity for the devil. Thieves should no longer steal. Instead, they should go to work using their hands to do good so that they will have something to share with whoever is in need. Don't let any foul words come out of your mouth. Only say what is helpful when it is needed for building up the community so that it benefits those who hear what you say. Don't make the Holy Spirit of God unhappy. You were sealed by Him for the day of redemption. Put aside all bitterness, losing your temper, anger, shouting, and slander along with every other evil. Be kind, compassionate, and forgiving to each other. In the same way, God forgave you in Christ. My brothers and sisters, this is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When I was in high school, I took a class called AP Art History. And I learned about art in that class, as maybe you would guess by the class title. And uh, one of the things that I've always been fascinated by since then is looking at sculptures. Uh, I think, you know, you can, I can throw some paint on a canvas. It may not look like a Picasso, but, you know, maybe it looks more like a Jackson Pollock painting. Anybody know that? Or you just kind of like throw it on there. Uh, you know, I can, I can maybe think of drawing a stick figure or something like that that looks cool. But sculpting, I find so fascinating because it's something I could never do. Perhaps you would recognize uh, a sculpture that was, uh, that's relatively famous in our world. It's uh, Michelangelo's David, right? Has anybody, ever, has anybody ever seen this in person before? Uh, a couple of you have seen it in person. I have too. Uh, maybe you've seen it in a textbook or something like that. This maybe, arguably, is the most famous sculpture to ever exist. Have you seen it, buddy? You did a whole project on it. That's, well, hey, I'm still impressed. That's really cool. So I've never done a whole project on Michelangelo. Do you want to come? Maybe we should just let you talk. You want, you want to come do this? No. Okay. JK. All right. So, so Michelangelo sculpts David, right? This incredible masterpiece. And it's reported that Michelangelo once said, somebody would ask him when this was happening a long, long time ago, right? Hundreds of years ago. How, how, did, you, how did you sculpt David? And he said, well, I just chiseled away anything that doesn't look like David, right? So, so imagine this, right? This huge, giant block of marble, and I'm just, you know, having, having that kind of vision and that kind of image for what something is becoming. I love the artists who can do this and that there are such artists in our world. And I love that we get to celebrate a loving and fulfilling God who sees us in the same way. Maybe not for who we are right now, but for who we are becoming. And I think that part of, part of what Paul's talking about in Ephesians and part of the life that God invites us into is this kind of mentality. What does it look like for us to release ourselves of anything that doesn't look like who God made us to be? What does it look like for us to invite God to chisel away that which doesn't look like Jonathan or doesn't look like Steve or Kathy or, or whoever you may be? This is what it means to be dispassionate, I think, is, is to say in our life of faith, to be willing to let go, to be willing to allow God to chisel away 
that which is not of us. As we think about this, I think about another thing that looks kind of like a sculpture, and uh, it's, not, it's not quite Michelangelo's David. It's actually from the movie Star Wars. Uh, not from Star Wars, uh, but from Empire Strikes Back. Maybe you remember there's a character in that movie named Han Solo, uh, played by Harrison Ford, and Han Solo gets himself in a little bit of a pickle in that movie, and uh, Darth Vader and his crew decide to freeze him in carbonite. Does anybody remember this? You might remember it based on this picture, right? Han Solo gets frozen in carbonite. Now, now what happened? Now, you guys have all seen this movie, I'm guessing. So, so what happens at the end? Does does Han Solo stay this way? No. Spoiler alert. Sorry if you haven't seen that like 35-year-old movie. We're going to ruin it for you this morning. Uh, so he ends up surviving, right? He, he lives through this. But, but in the moment, because of what is not him, right? The carbonite is not him. But he's surrounded by it. He's unable to move because of it. And he's barely able to live through it. He is paralyzed by that which is not him. So often in our lives, friends, I think this is something that can happen to us too. The things that we hold on to that aren't really us, that aren't really who God has made us to be, can paralyze us. And what can happen if we're not careful is we become so focused, so zoomed in on those little pieces that we miss the bigger picture of who we are and of who God is. Paul talks about some of these places. He says, you know, you shouldn't lie, don't be greedy, don't be angry, all this sort of thing. Those sound like good, like Christian-y sorts of things, right? But the clearest picture that I think he paints is at near the very beginning of what we read this morning. In Ephesians 4, verse 20, Paul says something that when I, I remember reading this for the first time, well, not the first time ever, but for the first time in preparing for the series a few months ago, and it just hit me in the face. Maybe you heard it this morning too. Paul in verse 20 writes this, but you didn't learn that sort of thing from Christ. You didn't learn that sort of thing from Christ. Sometimes, friends, it's easy for me to hate some of those other, the lying, the greeting, the, the greeting, the greed, <laughs> that's a word, uh, the lying, the greed, the stealing, all that sort of thing. It's easy for me to hate because I'm not tempted to do that. I don't live in a place where I'm just like lying all the time or where I'm just like envious or, or where I'm, I'm not like, you know, over at Belk trying to get some deals uh, for free. You know, I'm, I don't think those are the places that I struggle, but, but there are things that I do in my life. And there are things that we do in community maybe that are not things we have learned from Christ. So the question I want us to think about this morning is what do we have in our lives that we didn't learn from Christ. Because this is maybe what we're called to be dispassionate about. I'll tell you, I want to think for a moment about what this means for us as a community, and maybe even for us as a church, large, like big, big C church. And then what does it mean for our personal lives? Here's the thing that I think we struggle with the most in our community and maybe in our world. I think what we struggle with the most is the need to be right. The need to be right. If you go on social media, you'll see a lot of people who really want to be right about what's going to happen in the upcoming election in November. Right now in the United Methodist Church, we're having conversations around human sexuality, 
about how, how, do we, how do we engage in ministry with people who love someone of the same gender, or maybe somebody who's transgender, somebody who's a part of the LGBTQ community, or who advocates for that community. And there are some people in our church who believe very strongly that we need to continue to, to live and to serve the way that we have for, for all time, as it seems. There are other people who, who believe something more progressive, who believe we ought to adapt and change. And the thing is, we're struggling as a denomination in large part because we care more about being right than hearing each other. And that's a very dangerous place to find ourselves, especially as people call, called Christians. When we're more concerned with getting issues right than we are with loving people, that's probably something we haven't learned from Christ. And whether we're talking about something in church or something in politics or, or whatever it may be, always remember that we are created to love one another. Right? What's the, when Jesus is asked about what the greatest commandment is, what does he say? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And then the second part, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We're called to love people first and foremost. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. This is what it means to be a part of this community. And it's the opportunity that we have every single day is in the midst of conflicting opinion, in the midst of divisive conversation, to be a beacon of light and love in a world where everyone just wants to get it right. Let me suggest that getting it right may be something that we didn't learn from Christ. But as we think about our individual lives, maybe what you and I walk through, sometimes we walk through different things. Sometimes Paul, Paul names some of this, right? Be kind, compassionate, and forgiving to one another. I had this great thing uh, this morning that I wanted to share with you about how I struggle with that. And I'll, I'll, if you want to talk one-on-one, I'll share it with you. Uh, but one of the things that I do every Sunday morning, so I come in here and sit, the band's practicing, and I'll read over my notes for this morning and, and say a prayer. And, and then I'll usually just like take a couple of moments just to have some downtime. I might see what's happening on Twitter or wish somebody a happy birthday on Facebook or something like that. And, and so I got on Facebook. And it was like, I, I don't know, usually I don't like to change things last minute, but I saw something that a pastor friend of mine put up that, that I just feel like I need to share with you this morning. He said, these are the, the five things that you need to quit doing right now. This, isn't, this doesn't come from Ephesians. This comes from my buddy. His name's Chris Brady. He's a pastor in Durham, North Carolina. So talk to him if you don't like these. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's his fault. Uh, just kidding. He can talk to me. Uh, but these are, this just hit me so hard this morning. Maybe, maybe you'll resonate with some of these. These are things that I think we can be dispassionate about. First one, trying to please everyone. That's something like I really struggle with. I like to be liked. I, want you, I just want you all to love me so much. Like, like that's just what I want. But sometimes that's not the way that God calls us to live, right? We can't, we can't just try to please everybody. The second thing, fearing change, being afraid of what might be different, living in the past, right? How many of us struggle with that where we, where we want things to be like they used to be? Putting yourself down. This is a hard one. Sometimes it's very easy to look at ourselves in the mirror and think that maybe God screwed up to treat ourselves like some kind of punching bag. Putting ourselves down in the last piece is overthinking. Overthinking, right? Putting, 
so much thought, so much energy into something that you don't actually do something. I wonder what it would look like for us to say, hey, maybe, maybe you resonate with one of those, maybe you resonate with all five of those. Say, hey, this is stuff that I can be dispassionate about. This is stuff maybe that doesn't matter. These are things that we didn't learn from Christ. Paul will write in Ephesians about being kind and compassionate and forgiving. A lot of times the forgiveness that we need to offer is forgiveness of ourselves. Forgiveness of others, not allowing others to, to hold over us. So here's, here's what I want us to be thinking about today. What do we need to allow God to be chiseling away? Now, I'm a big believer that when we think about this, we shouldn't just like leave it sitting and like say, oh, this was something interesting that we talked about at church, and maybe I'll think about it for like a couple seconds, and then I'm going to go to the buffet. I think maybe what we're called to do is not just to hear something, but to do something about it. So I want everybody to pull out your, your takeaway this morning. Hopefully you got a takeaway on your way in. Uh, if you didn't get a takeaway, I, I hope you did, because I don't know if we have any more printed. But um, we'll find like sheets of paper for you. I'll, I'll put somebody, would somebody be willing, like, can you raise your hand if you didn't get a takeaway this morning? Okay, we've got like, oh my gosh. That's like a lot of the room. Okay, so Gary's going to grab, there's like index cards or something somewhere. Okay, so Gary's going to find that. Good. He's got a couple minutes because I want to talk to you about something. So I'm, I'm a big believer that we do something about it because goal setting is an important thing. I learned this week I was at a leadership development thing about, about goal setting and how likely we are based on some certain things we do around our goals to actually get something done. So I want to share this chart with you. Uh, I'll tell you what the four categories are as we go. They're kind of hard to read from where you are. So, so let's say we decide that there's something in our lives. Maybe it's one of those five things we listed. Maybe it's something about forgiving somebody. Who knows what? Okay, so raise your hand real quick if you want a takeaway. Gary's going to hook you up. Um, while he's doing that, so maybe, maybe you say, hey, there's something in my life that I'm willing for God to chisel away. I'm willing to give that up and allow God to chisel that away. So if we just, if we just think that in our mind... We just set this as a goal. Studies show that we are somewhere between six, we have a six to eight percent chance of actually completing it. Six to eight percent. If we just decide in our mind, hey, this is something I want to give up, I want to give this up, six to eight percent. If we set a goal and then we write it down, our factors go up just a little bit more. We go up to having about a, a, between a 25 and 30 percent chance of attaining that goal. 25 to 30% chance. If we, if we set a goal, if we write it down and we tell somebody about it, we verbalize it to somebody else, it doubles. It goes up to being somewhere between 55 and 60% likelihood of success. And then, if we do this last thing, if we set the goal, if we write it down, if we tell somebody about it, and we establish accountability, we ask somebody to hold us accountable for that goal, Guess how high up it goes? Studies show you have at least an 85% chance of reaching that goal. So what I want to invite us to do this morning is is to just take a couple of moments. We're just going to sit in silence and think about maybe what God might be inviting us to let go so that God can be chiseling it away. Maybe it's something like overthinking or putting yourself down or trying to please somebody. 
Maybe it's something like forgiveness, needing to forgive yourself or somebody else. Maybe it's something you see happening in our larger community, needing to get it right, failing to love somebody. What do you need to allow God to chisel from your life? What we want to do is just give you a couple moments. We're not going to have a song playing, and you don't have to, you can just think in your mind if you want to write something down. We can get you some pens uh, if you need one of those. Just whatever you need to do in this moment to just take a moment, think, pray about what God might be inviting you to chisel from your eyes. So take just a couple moments and then we're going to come back together. He writes this, Meister Eckhart said once, God is not found in the soul by adding anything, but by a process of subtraction. In our consumer culture, Religion and spirituality have very often become a matter of addition. Earning points with God, attaining enlightenment, producing moral behavior. Yet authentic spirituality is not about getting, attaining, achieving, performing, or succeeding. All of which tend to pander to the ego. It is much more about letting go. Letting go of what we don't really need anyway. On the mental level, it is more, as the Desert Fathers called it, the shedding of thoughts than piling on more thoughts. That's my prayer for you. My prayer for me and my prayer for us is that we might find ourselves in a place this morning and in the days and weeks ahead where we are able to shed. Much like uh, Kelly and I have two dogs, we see what shedding looks like, right? Maybe it looks a little bit like that, shedding so that new things can grow. Maybe it's shedding in such a way that God is invited to chisel at us. Or maybe we just invite ourselves to, to shed thoughts to open ourselves to God's handiwork out of a, an incredible, amazing trust that as God builds on each of us, God is making a masterpiece that each of our hearts belong to God and that when God looks at us and when God chisels away those little bits that aren't really who we are. It's part of allowing God to to look at us in the mirror and see God's self. And to see that each of us as his kids are beautiful. Would you pray with me? God of all grace, we thank you that you are a master sculptor that you have a vision for each of us and our lives that is one of love and light and grace. We thank you, God, for the chiseling away of that which isn't yours. And we pray this morning to invite that into our hearts and lives. God, we recognize that sometimes that can be painful giving up something that's a habit, giving up something that maybe we believe, something that we like, can be hard. 
that, that God, you invite us to do this not out of a place of guilt or a place of fear, but that God, you invite us to do this just because you love us and your grace is abundant. So we pray, God, that we would embrace that freedom, that we might let go and shed that, God, we might see ourselves with the same kind of eyes that you see us as your beautiful, awesome kids. We love you, God. We thank you for this time. And we pray this in your name. Amen.